Oh, thank you so much uh, to our worship team uh, for, for leading us in uh, that time of beautiful worship. Uh, to the Lord and King, our Savior. Sorry, guys. Um, I, I just want to say thank you, and thank you to you for, for being here today. This, uh, this is an important day. And I'm so grateful that we can celebrate it uh, in person together, uh, where we need to be worshiping the Savior that, that, that we are here to celebrate. Um, tonight, uh, just for a few moments, uh, I just want to share a few thoughts on that last passage that, that we read from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2. Um, so we know the Christmas story well, I pray, most of us do. Maybe you're here hearing it for the first time tonight. Praise the Lord if you are. Uh, most of us know it very well, and we know the different Gospels and, and how they tell this story. Well, Matthew's version is, is very unique. Uh, it's it's a, an interesting telling here because he doesn't talk about the angel armies appearing in the sky. He doesn't talk about the shepherds going to, to visit Jesus in the manger. No, right after we read of the angel of the Lord instructing Joseph to marry Mary, um, and name the baby Jesus, Matthew skips right over Jesus' birth. Doesn't mention it. And instead, he jumps ahead to focus on this really interesting story of a group of people called Magi who visit Jesus. Uh, this is what we read in verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who's been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. That right there is the reason we're here tonight. We have come to do exactly what the Magi did. In fact, that's the purpose for which God has created all of us. Did you know that? He has created us to know and worship Jesus Christ as King and Lord. And tonight, just as we look at just these few verses, I pray that, that the eyes of our hearts would be opened up, that we'd be enlightened or perhaps reminded of just who Jesus is and what it means to truly worship him as Lord and King. Now, verse 3, it, it says that King Herod heard this, heard that the Magi were coming to, to see this newborn king, and he was disturbed, along with all Jerusalem. When he had called together all the chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. Okay, see, Herod was disturbed because he was threatened. For 40 years, he had been called king of the Jews. And now, these guys are looking for, for someone else who's going to be called king. Not only that, though, Herod had never been called Christ before. Christ is, is what Herod calls this baby. It's a really important word. It's the Greek word Christos, which is the equivalent of the Old Testament Hebrew word Messiah which means the anointed one, whom the prophets foretold. The anointed one will come to save his people. 
And so after asking where the Christ was to be born, Herod's advisors advised him saying this, verse 5, in Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. And then what do they do? They quote the Bible. They quote Micah chapter 2. And they say this, you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd the, be the shepherd of my people Israel. And that's where they stop quoting. They stop that verse short, which is really interesting, because here's what the verse goes on to say. His origins are from of old, from ancient times. In fact, the New King James Version of the Bible puts it this way, he is from the days of eternity. Verse 4, he will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, for then his greatness will reach the ends of the earth. See, Herod's advisors leave that little part out. Because if he wasn't disturbed already, that would have sent him over the edge. You see, this was no ordinary king that the Magi were looking for. Though Herod was, was told this king would physically come out of Bethlehem in the present he had somehow been around from ancient times past, and he would reign on into the future. In fact, his greatness will reach the ends of the earth. He will bring about the end of history. He will establish the kingdom of God over which he will rule and reign forever as king of kings and lord of lords. King of the world, which is really what the magi from the east represent. The rest of the world. And this is so significant for us tonight. Um, the Magi show us that Jesus Christ, the long-awaited Messiah and King of the Jews, is to be worshipped not just by the Jews, but by people from all nations on the earth. Uh, I, I just want us to try to grasp the significance of this, because these Magi, there's not a lot we know about them. In fact, just even the name, what Magi... Magic, magic, what, what, what are we talking, who are these guys? We call them wise men. Sometimes we, we call them kings. We like to sing that song, right? We three kings, and we, we all are familiar with this picture from Christmas cards of the three kings making their way to the manger, which we know is not historically accurate at all. Um, but who are these kings? They're not from the Orient. We don't even know whether there were three of them. And we're not even sure of exactly when they came to Bethlehem. Though we know that Jesus had moved from the manger into a house. So you can throw that picture away there. Well, the standard Greek lexicon defines the Magi as a wise man, a priest who was an expert in astrology, interpretation of dreams, magic, mysteries about the future. So these guys were magicians. Court magicians, astrologers, sorcerers. We don't feel comfortable putting that in the Bible, though. So most translations go with wise men or magi. But what's especially fascinating about them is not that they're magician astrologers, but that they're foreigners. That's what's fascinating here. What's even more shocking than what they did was where they were from, or more specifically, where they weren't from. You see... The Magi are the very first worshipers of Jesus Christ recorded in the New Testament. Sorcerers, magicians from somewhere, somewhere not Israel. They're not God's people. They're Gentiles from the East. And though many commentators 
try to come up with, okay, where's the east? It might represent Babylon, and they, they draw from Daniel's prophecy. Bottom line is, we don't know. We don't. And I think there's a reason we don't know, because we don't need to know. It's left general for a reason, because the east, where they come from, represents the rest of the world. The point being, they're not from Israel. So according to the Old Testament ceremonial laws, they were unclean, they were unacceptable, they were excluded from God's people. And so what we see here, my friends, is that at the very beginning of the New Testament, the Magi represent people from all the other nations of the world now being invited to come and worship Jesus Christ as Lord and Messiah, Savior and King, not just of the Jews, but King of everything, of every one of the universe. Wow. <laughs> That's why we, we had the readings in the different languages tonight, to remind us of this fact he is the king for all people, the savior of the world. At the very end of the book, Matthew records Jesus' final commissioning words. We know these well. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, everywhere. Wow. So from the very beginning of this book to the very end, Jesus is presented as the king and Messiah of the, the world. Not just the Jews, the, the, the entire world. The Magi were the first from the rest of the world, the first Gentiles to worship Jesus, the newborn king, which is exactly what the Old Testament prophets had foretold, by the way, all throughout the Old Testament. That's, that's what they say. Isaiah 60, verse 3. The nations will come to your light, says the prophet Isaiah, and kings to the brightness of your rising. All the nations will come. But notice how the Magi come. This is what's so cool about this story. Here, Jesus said this in John 6, 44. He said, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Keep that in mind here, okay? Because in Matthew 2, God the Father draws the Magi to Jesus Christ in a most amazing, miraculous way. In his sovereign control of the universe, we know that God can do anything. God can move mountains. He can part the seas. He can make the sun stand still if he needs to. Well, what he did, he moved stars in the sky in order to draw the Magi to Jesus from miles and miles and miles away. Wow. How did the star get the Magi from the east to Jerusalem? Don't know. Uh, how did that star go ahead of them in the final five-mile journey from Jerusalem to Bethlehem and then stop directly over the place where Jesus was? We don't know. Now, there are a lot of really interesting ideas. Astronomers have, have some incredible theories that are just fascinating. But the point is, we, we don't know exactly how. If we needed to know, God would have told us. What we do know is that God, in his sovereign power over the universe, used the star to guide these foreigners, these Gentile mag magicians, from the east straight to the Christ so that they could worship him. Because again, no one can come to Jesus unless the Father draws them. My friends, God, by the power of his Holy Spirit, is doing that same thing right now, today. In fact, I, I trust that's why we are here tonight. He is drawing us to worship Christ as king. Um, because God's purpose and plan is that the gospel be preached to the entire world, to people from every nation under heaven, that everyone would hear the good news that God so loved this world 
because God is not willing that anyone should perish, but that everyone would come to repentance, that they turn away from their sin and believe in and worship God's son, Jesus. This is God's will for every person on earth, for you and me, everyone we know, everyone we love, that they would confess Jesus Christ as Lord and bow down and worship him as king. And that's exactly what the Magi did. They worshiped him as king. And I just want to point out really quickly just, just three things that they do, that their worship entails, okay, so that we can kind of take a note here and make sure that we're doing the right thing. Their worship begins by acknowledging that Jesus Christ is the king. Look at this, this one here. Where's the one who's been born? King of the Jews. They, they acknowledged his authority, you see, right from the get-go. He is in charge. He is the king. And they knew he was king of beyond Israel. He was king of everything. Look at that last verse again. What did Jesus say? All authority, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Their worship began by acknowledging Jesus' ultimate authority. And then when they finally found him, what did the Magi do? What did they do? Look at verse 11. They bowed down before him in humility. In humility. On coming to the house, they saw the child with Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. In fact, the New King James Version says they fell down. They hit the ground and worshipped him. Because that's what you do when you come face to face with holy God. You fall on your face. It, falling down and bowing, it's a way of saying, you are great and I'm not. You are holy, I'm sinful. And that's what they were doing. And that's what we need to do, my friends. Tonight we've come to worship a God who is holy, which makes our approach of him just amazing because we can only do it through Jesus, through his righteous blood shed on the cross for our sins. But it wasn't just acknowledging his authority and bowing before him in humility. Verse 10 tells us that true worship of Jesus means rejoicing in him joyfully. Okay, and that is what tonight is all about. This is a celebration, and I know sometimes we like to keep it somber. It's, it's the night Jesus was born, right? All was calm, all was bright. No, it wasn't. It wasn't calm and bright. It was really, really loud, and really, well, it was really bright, but it was so bright that it was blinding. It was crazy bright. It was probably crazy loud because God had just come to earth. God was born that night. And so what do these guys do? They rejoice. And the way that uh, we read it in the, the NIV really doesn't do it well. It's, they, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Uh, but look at New King James. They, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. That's like joy on steroids. That is like joy cubed. They, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Why? Because they were going to see the king of the universe who had been born, the savior of the world, and they knew it. And my friends, I pray that we know it too. That we can rejoice like them because we know that there is no thing, no one worth more in all the universe, no greater privilege than to know and worship Jesus Christ. Peter calls it uh, inexpressible and glorious joy. That's what he calls it. The gift of salvation in Jesus and that gift of salvation that came at the greatest price ever paid and the greatest sacrifice ever made, it demands sacrifice from us in return. And it's my final point tonight. Um, true worship of Jesus means giving to him sacrificially. 
sacrificing for him who gave everything for us. Uh, a lot has been written about the gifts, that the treasures that the wise men presented Christ. Gold and incense or frankincense and myrrh. Um, but I just want to say a couple of things because I think it's, it's easy to read maybe a little too much into those gifts. We don't know exactly what the Magi understood. You could say, okay, gold, well, gold's fit for a king, right? It's the metal of kings. So, so perhaps they were, again, acknowledging his, his sovereignty, his authority as king with the gift of gold. What about frankincense? Well, frankincense was, was the oil used to anoint the priests of Israel. And so maybe in presenting the incense, the Magi might have been pointing to Jesus Christ as our great high priest, the only one whose whole life was righteous, who, who could make entrance into the Father's presence. Well, Jesus isn't just our great high priest, though, is he? He was the only perfect sacrifice, the precious Lamb of God who would lay down his life on the cross to make atonement for our sins. So the myrrh, myrrh was an expensive spice used for embalming bodies, which might have seemed like an odd, maybe even offensive gift to give to a baby. However, the Old Testament again and again foretold Jesus' suffering and his sacrificial death. Now, did the Magi have those things in mind? We don't know. Maybe. But the point Matthew makes is that the Magi presented Jesus with gifts of incredible expense, great value, enormous cost. These were treasures that they gave him. So in giving them away to Christ, the Magi were, de- were basically declaring Jesus is worth more than anything, more, worth more than anyone in the universe. More than any treasure on earth, these Magi treasured the King of Heaven. Jesus was their greatest treasure, and they were giving up, sacrificing the best earth had to offer in order to worship Him. So, what about us? What sacrificial gift should we give in worship to Jesus Christ, our King? Well, when we realize the price God paid to save us, that he did not spare his own precious son, but gave him up for us all to save us from our sins, to make us right with him, how can we not give him everything that we have? Submit and surrender to him our, our money, our time, our talent, our energy, our thoughts, our, our plans, our very lives. This is how Paul puts it in Romans 12.1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. By the way, spiritual can be translated reasonable. It's the only reasonable thing we can give him is everything our very lives, because God gave everything for us so that we could be saved from our sins. Tonight, like the Magi, we Gentiles, outsiders from all the nations of the world, are invited into a personal, eternal relationship with God Almighty by repenting of our sins and believing in God's Son, Jesus, whom we have come here tonight to worship And again, that worship starts by acknowledging his ultimate authority as king of kings and lord of lords, lord of the universe and of you and me. And number two, bowing before him in humility, before the son of God in human flesh and doing that rejoicing joyfully for what he has given to us 
and then giving sacrificially of ourselves to the God who gave his only perfect son, our prophet, priest, and king, who laid down his life on the cross to save us from our sin and give us eternal life. That is what Christmas is all about. Jesus didn't stay in the trough in which he was born. He went to the cross, and he didn't stay on the cross. Yeah, he was buried, but he didn't stay in the ground. He, he was raised from the dead physically, and he ascended into heaven, and one day he's coming again. He's coming again soon. We're closer than we've ever been. So are you ready? Tonight we can worship him. It can start now. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, I pray tonight that, that you would turn in faith and believe in Jesus Christ. Confess your sins to him and be saved, and you'll receive this greatest gift that came at the greatest cost. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what gift uh, can we give to you that hasn't already been brought Myrrh, gold, and frankincense, that's nice, but that's not what you want. So help us bring you what is rightfully yours and lay it in your caring hands. Every day that you give, every hour that we live, help us do your every command. Father, thank you for the gift of Jesus. Thank you for this night that we can celebrate not only his birth, his coming, but Father God, we can celebrate his life, his sacrificial death, his victory over death, his ascension, and his coming return. Father, help us to be ready for that. And in the meantime, to offer our lives as living sacrifices to you, holy and pleasing. May this be our spiritual act of worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with us now if you're able as we sing together Silent Night?
just want to once again thank you so much for joining us in this time of worship tonight. Uh, pray it's been a blessing and pray that you go out shining in the light of Christ, uh, the light that came into the world. All right. And I'm just going to pronounce the benediction. Uh, here we go. I don't know who that was. Uh, but this is, this is 1 Timothy 1, verse 17. Uh, and now receive the Lord's blessing to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, to the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Merry Christmas. God bless you all.